let's see if, if this is any better. It's kind of an older microphone that I have. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I know. It's like you worked air traffic control. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> breaker, breaker, one nine. Operators are standing by. Yes. If for the Time Life collection of the complete <laughs> Carol Burnett show. <laughs> Let's have fun. So if this works any better, I'm, I'll use this crazy microphone. Okay. Burger, order up. <laughs> yes. Veggie burger. Price check at aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a giggle puss. So I want to talk about uh, your life. I want to talk about New Jersey. I want to talk about okay. what got you to be the vegan enthusiast and activist you are. Because clearly there were some, there must have been some kind of inciting incident in your screenplay that kind of launched this effort. For sure. This, to build this platform you already have and then to add Boon Broth to it to move launch into the comestibles. That's got to be a big leap. Right. Well, I have a very strong obligation to saving the world so let's get started so how did it start for you how did echo bella become what it is and what inspired you to start it from the day that i pulled a book off of my parents shelf which was the Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Oh, yeah, classic. Very much so. And the descriptions of the Chicago stockyards and the people falling into vats of animal carcasses, all the injuries and disgust of the meatpacking industry came to life for me as a teenager. You could imagine that being one of the first ways that a teenager wakes up to something going on in the world that's unpleasant. And... It took me a few years to process it. You know, culturally, our family was just like everybody else. We ate a million hamburgers and we went out for ice cream cones. And I still did that despite reading the book because it was confusing as a teenager because it's all hidden behind the scenes. And that world doesn't want people to know about it. But nowadays, more and more people as they become aware of it, they relate to the animals and the suffering and they see their health declining as a result of these uh, poor choices that we make, um, in, not only in the business world to, to create such a system, but in the personal health world to actually participate in it and drive it. So at some point, a few years later, I called up a group called Friends of Animals and I said, I'd like to volunteer for you. And they invited me over. They were in a cute little A-frame in a part of New Jersey that had not been overdeveloped yet. And I met a woman there who snuck a video camera into the laboratory at Gillette. Oh, right. And that was all about testing makeup on animals and improper treatment of them as far as testing their products? Correct. And the most banal products, deodorant being tested, you know, in monkeys' faces, for example. She took videos, and so we launched a postcard campaign on a giant postcard with a photo of a bunny rabbit in a cage, which said on them, Dear Gillette, 
I'm a consumer and I won't buy from you unless you stop this horrible practice of testing on animals. And we set up a table in the local mall and we sat there and consumers walked up to us, hey, what are you doing? What is this about? We showed them, we talked to them, they signed the postcard and we mailed them ourselves. Nice. It was the, yes, it was the beginning of consumers realizing that these big corporations uh, were participating in something that they would never want to participate in themselves. This was shocking. So with corporations, the funny thing is they, you know, you challenge them and they fall like a house of cards usually once you expose them. So it became a big rallying cry for animal rights groups and the pressure from all these groups has been an ever-growing drumbeat that caused these big corporations to drop many of these useless, non-scientific practices on cosmetics and personal care products. So once I realized that this was happening, I had the decision to go into nonprofit work and continue what I was doing. But I thought like an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm an activist turned capitalist. Well, that's a formative time, absolutely, to have that level of success and exposure to that level of uh, activism at a young age. That must have definitely taken root at that particular point, yeah? For sure. And I saw a market in it. And I saw a way to propel what the nonprofits were attempting to accomplish through moral persuasion. I thought, well, why not give these consumers some alternatives to purchase from companies that actually made the statement, we will make you products, but we won't test them on animals. They'll be safe because we'll test them on ourselves. Right. So <laughs> what's better than that? I've tested on myself. Once I did the research, I realized they were actually putting harmful ingredients in. Uh, mercury was being used as a preservative. Products were heavily doused with synthetic fragrance and lots and lots of preservatives. They were mostly made of water and coloring. They had no real benefits. So that was a the second awakening I had was that, well, since I'm really into nutrition and I really want help to help people be healthy and I want to save animals, I should do both of these things. That is, create products that do not harm animals and also actually benefit and will not harm people. And so that's why we created the brand Echo Bella, which means behold beautiful and we created formulas that were based on a philosophy of, of almost like a chef creating a delicious plant-based meal for a consumer. You got to have the best ingredients, has, have to be the freshest, has to have a life force, has to feel good, smell good, and taste good. And speaking of rallying cries for capitalism, you are listening to episode 235 of the successfully funded podcast brought to you by KiwiTech, which is a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. I'm your host, Doug French, and our guest today is 
someone you're really going to want to hear from because of her passion for the ethical treatment of animals and how her launch into the vegan business is in her mind ready to reap dividends for investors. And uh, while we're on that subject, I want to be clear that we also have a disclaimer I'd like to read. It's in full on our website, which is successfullyfundedpodcast.com. But you need to know that Successfully Funded Podcast is not acting as a broker or dealer, as such terms are used in the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, or as an investment advisor, as such term is used in the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. At no time does a successfully funded podcast provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities, structure security transactions, facilitate the execution of securities transactions, handle investor funds or securities, or otherwise engage in activities that would require registration with the SEC as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. So if you enjoyed that preamble, you can see the rest of our disclaimer, which is very important, again, on the podcast website, successfullyfundedpodcast.com. But we move on to why we're here. We're here to talk to our friend, the CEO and founder of Echo Bella, Sally Malanga. Welcome. Hey, Doug. Good to be here and happy to be speaking about activism turned into capitalism. Exactly. So I've been affiliated with your group now for a while. I've been working on some of the uh, materials that we're preparing, and I hosted your event the other day. It's been great to hear about what Echo Bella hopes to achieve, what it has achieved so far, and what it plans to do with the advent of your new vegan bone broth product, which is called Boon Broth. We just were talking about the establishment of Echo Bella. So when you first launched Echo Bella, what was the first product that uh, you offered and why did you choose it? We made a vanilla body lotion that was free of water and it had a scent that made people steal it from each other. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let the word go forth from this time and place. Echo Bella products encourage (laughs) larceny. (laughs) Fantastic. And then what particularly about that lotion made it vegan. We always selected ingredients and gave our customers a lot more than what they hoped for or even expected. So the ingredients that make it vegan are all the very intensive oils that are in the product. It's water-free. So we feel that you can drink all the water that you want for free. And so we make our products very, very luxurious, very effective, rich, and people just understand that they trust us for that and they love it so when echo bella launched and you were mostly focused on health and beauty aids at that point when when was that this was in the early 2000s okay so echo bella has been around now for a couple of decades anyway oh yes and we really pushed the market for cruelty free products we did fulfill our promise on that and we created a very big market and there's lots of companies doing it now so that's a good thing yeah and we'll be sure to talk about that later because whenever you talk about launching a new product and being first to market like boone broth is your first thought has to be how do i stay first to market or how do i keep my industry leading position in play especially as the inevitable competitors arrive so when you first launched into health and beauty aids You had some success there, and how quickly did your product line expand? 
We got the products into many, many stores. We had displays, we had demonstrators. It was a very busy time. Yeah. We were always breaking new ground. We were educating people about heavy metals that are in the cosmetics, the coal tar dyes, that research was showing that could cause cancer, uh, the, the bright red colors. And so required education, but it also inspired consumers to take better care of themselves. And what do you think the more surprising things that consumers learned that you taught them were early on? I mean, I think when you just look at health and beauty aids or any kind of product, uh, you assume that uh, everything you're about to either put in or on your body is perfectly healthy. And what kind of uh, messages did you feel important to impart to debunk that? As an activist, you know, I say I put my activist eyes on everything that we develop and every ingredient has to tell a good, healthy story. And still, uh, to this day, we, we follow that strictly, but there are still media blow-ups involving companies that do not have that kind of standard. So what was discovered recently is that there's a certain amount of flame retardants showing up in some of these products. These are the forever chemicals that are sprayed on way too many things in the consumer world, like fabrics and obviously used in personal care products. I don't know what they could possibly add to them, but I don't know of any lipsticks that blow up or catch fire, but they're <laughs> finding, them. yeah, they're finding those. And so these things crop up and consumers do have to be alert to it. But I, I function as the gatekeeper because it's all very personal to me, and I make sure that what I believe is translated into our products and our mission. Now, that should have been my segue. Speaking of blowing up and catching fire, <laughs> welcome to the Echo Bella podcast. That's all very good stuff. And I think the education aspect, especially when you launch into food products, is crucial to when you launch something new, because clearly when you're trying to market a food product, the first thought is, you can talk about its nature benefits all you like, but unless people know it's delicious, you know, the proof is essentially going to be in the boon broth itself. So um, what was the process for uh, expanding from health and beauty aids into food? A couple of things. One is that I realized that I can't put enough really good topical things on people if they have a bad diet. So a bad diet means lots of meat products, sugar, soda, and then I even say smoking. Oh, no, sure. So yeah. I can't really help you defeat the signs of aging by giving you a cream if you're doing all that other stuff to yourself. So we uh, expanded our selection of products to include things that would help people become healthy from the inside. I love that. I enjoy the fact that it's one thing to use health and beauty aids to mask what's going on inside your body. And like, let's shift our attention now to what's inside our body and, and make our health show forth from within. So when the time came to develop this boon broth recipe, how'd you go about it? Well, actually, I first started with chocolate. And the chocolate we developed was the world's first chocolate product with vitamins in it that would benefit the skin from the inside out. And so we, we made this chocolate and we shipped it all over the country. And then I ultimately sold that brand to investors 
Ah, so you've been here before. Yes. And the next product we made was something that I noticed on myself, since I test everything on myself, that my skin was looking great because I was using the carotenoids. <clears throat> it's a funny word, carotenoid. It comes from the word carrot. You know, carrot is one. Anything that is a bright red, yellow, or orange contains the carotenoids, which are really powerful antioxidants. And I talked to the scientists who developed those ingredients that come from tomatoes, carrots, sea algae, and marigolds. And they told me, we have studies that show that these fantastic ingredients actually build up under your own skin. And I thought, well, what's a better ingredient to use than this? Your body has its own intelligence and knows exactly where to put it. So the carotenoids, which you knew were already a benefit to you, that became the base of this uh, the new boon broth? No, actually, a predecessor product called NutraChic, which is a bright red drink and tastes like berries and has these super powerful buildup under the skin carotenoids and super vitamin E, which many consumers don't know about, but it's a must. And all combined with a few other cool things makes a fantastic drink that will really extend a person, man or woman, the health and beauty of their skin many more years than if they didn't use it. Mm. And I, my, I use myself as proof and also the science that's behind it. So when I fall in love with something, I want to tell everyone about it and make it for people. And that's exactly what I did. So that's how we started into the beauty from within category, which again, we're early, we're creating it as we go. And I'm really hoping that consumers will adopt it. And I, I believe they are, we are definitely seeing growth. Well, and I will say, I mean, if you know Sally or if you saw her on our event the other day, she is a very youthful looking woman. So I can attest to that. Whatever she tested on herself is working handsomely. So well done there. Makes me think I should get some of this pretty soon my own self because I'm often mistaken for 90. Uh, I love the way you're expanding into this and recognizing that now Boone Broth, which is the new signature product that you're launching, the first ever vegan uh, bone broth. So what are the benefits of bone broth per se? And then how did you decide it was time to create a vegan alternative? Well, I think animal bone broth is a complete disaster. Ooh, spill the tea there. What's up? Yes, it's a billion dollar industry. And somehow through word of mouth, athletes and people around the world have decided that drinking an animal's boiled body is going to do something for them, but it doesn't. What are the benefits of bone broth that bone broth is going to provide, but with no cruelty to animals? Right. Well, there's two, two products that we're really talking about here that people are taking as a fad. One is animal collagen, which is actually a protein. And people have the misperception that if they eat animal collagen, which comes from the skin and bones of cows, pigs, chickens, and fish. Yeah, I've seen that. There's shelves of that in health food stores. 
Oh, totally. And that somehow if they take this in their coffee or wherever, the smoothie, wherever they're putting it, that somehow that will translate into collagen that will make their skin beautiful. And it doesn't do that. It's just broken down and absorbed as protein. It could go into your feet, your tush, your, your legs, anywhere. It's not necessarily going where you think it's going. It'll grow your fingernails, something fierce. Yeah, who knows? But it, and, <laughs> and right. And so the problem with it is, of course, the environmental problem. It's a, it's a disaster because raising of livestock takes up nine times more space and water than we would normally use if we took up the space and used the water. So raising animals is, has become an economic and an environmental crisis, and it's not going to supply us with nutrition, that's for sure. So that's one area, the collagen products. So when we develop NutraChic, that is designed to build up under your skin and protect your own collagen. What's better than that? Now going to bone broth, which tackles the craziness of just plain boiled bones, that market is, is um, a bunch of chicken soup that's being translated into something that has quantifiable nutrition, and it doesn't. In fact, what we discovered is that through studies, the, many of these products contain a high percentage of lead. Lead is damaging to the nervous system and to the brain. And we've all heard about lead crises in pipes and so on. Certainly, uh, so sure. We def so we definitely don't want that. And so bone broth is much, much different. Clearly, there are some nutritional advantages to bone broth or just to chicken soup, if you're calling it that. How does bone broth replicate those? And what particularly is in there? How is it designed to provide what people go to bone broth for? Our bone broth actually contains quantifiable 33% of daily calcium that comes from the sea, from sea plants. And our bodies are very compatible with plants and especially with sea plants and seawater in terms of our composition. For example, bone broth, contains 72 trace minerals. Those are all very beneficial to us, mm. whereas animal bone broth does not. And this and, came from the Malanga kitchen? Is that what I'm, what I'm led to believe? <laughs> it all starts there and gets tested on my husband. Ah, there you go. <laughs> the life right. of a spouse of an activist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what he has to put up with. But he, he looked at me and says, oh, this tastes good. And so I knew the I was The first try? Uh, yes. Wow, because yes. I was prepared for like, you know, 15 iterations of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you hit it out of the park the first time out. That's great. We did, but it's it still it took about three or four additional expansions. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Tweaking and yes. so forth, for sure. Yeah. Yes. We want to make sure that everyone liked it. So it had to be tested on, on other human beings. I but just any put, writer loves a great first draft. So you had some good stuff to work with initially, and that's that's a, a great thing to start with. Correct. And so the taste is no excuses. And what I do want to say, it's the comfort of it. And I think that's why people think a bowl of chicken soup will cure their cold. It really doesn't have anything in it, but it's the idea of it, the placebo effect 
the comfort, the de-stress of a warm, cozy drink. That's what appeals to people, especially if you're sick. And so that's how Boon Broth delivers its ultimate benefits. And when you talk about how this will expand and make inroads into a vast broth consumer space, do you see that just the overall broth consumption will expand and the Boon Broth will take a larger and larger piece of the pie as time goes on and people are educated as to its benefits? And, uh, or, and do you anticipate a lot of your expansion coming from people switching from bone broth to boon broth? I think you hit it. People are looking to exchange animal products for plant-based products now. And I believe that the flexitarian market will be our biggest market. Although, of course, we're showing it to all the vegans, that's for sure. And between the vegans and the flexitarians, it's 100 million people at least. Well, that's the key, right? If you're going to make inroads and expand, you have to reach into the communities of people who aren't necessarily used to consuming your products. And I love the, uh, the flexitarian term because I've been vegetarian for, I'll take like a month and just lay off all of all meat products and all dairy products. One time I went to my friend's wedding uh, with my wife and she didn't want any of her meat. So I ate hers because I was an idiot. And I just ate a lot of protein at that wedding and just woke up feeling miserable. And I figured, okay, I'm just going to spend the next month avoiding meat entirely. I'm going to be a vegetarian. I want to know what it's like to be a vegetarian. And that means when you go to restaurants, you have to ask for vegetarian options. You have to educate yourself in terms of how things are prepared and how militant you want to be about that. And uh, it was an education, you know, to learn what vegetarians and vegans go through trying to exist in the world with dietary constraints. And, and it's actually gotten a lot better. And this, is, this happened to me about 15 years ago, and it was a much different time, as you know. But I remember after a month of just steering clear of stuff I knew would make me miserable, I felt great. I lost about 10 pounds. I felt vigorous. So from personal experience, I know that flexitarianism can be a real boon. <laughs> Look what I did there. It can be a real boon to regulating your blood pressure and your insulin, your blood sugar, all sorts of things that just make you feel better. And as you get older, you're, you're even more mindful of that. You say the flexitarian market is about 100 million people. How do you plan to reach them? There's a number of ways, and I'm very excited to be able to do so. For example, the Boon Broth is going to be on the world's first vegan cooking competition called Peeled. And that's Is that like chopped, but not? It's peeled. Okay. And top vegan chefs from around the country will be competing and they'll be using Boon Broth. And we've also asked a cooking school to get going with it. And they are excited to work with it in their ramen in a jar cooking class. Lots of word of mouth, lots of sampling and people just speaking up for it. In fact, I got a great idea just telling uh, someone about it. And they said, oh, what about for my dog? Ah, why not? Absolutely. It seems to me like you're really taking advantage of a moment for veganism. I really think the past 20 years have seen a lot in terms of the expansion and accommodation of dietary restrictions and dietary choices. And now that you're seeing people, uh, authors like Michael Pollan talk about plant-based diets that have been kind of glossed over over the years, you see uh, the huge markets for plant-based meat substitutes. 
And there's a wide acceptance, even when something like a conglomerate like Burger King adopts a, a vegan patty for its burgers, is part of your plan to reach the revenue projections you've set. Is that in part because of this wave that you're uh, looking forward to ride? Absolutely correct, Doug. You know, I'm a board member of Friends of Animals and other organizations. They're promoting the benefits of vegan diets. There's doctors promoting the benefits of vegan diets. Athletes now are promoting it. You just described your fabulous example. I have so little wrong with my body. It's terrific. I mean, I, I move wonderfully. Things are not breaking down on my body. I have lots of energy. And I attribute it to this lifestyle, which has a life force. And so we will continue, we will expand Boone Broth as far as it can go. That's that investors want to know how far do you think it can go? Well, if the market right now is 1 billion for animal bone broth, let's say we did $10 million worth of it or 25, the, the balance is still 900 million to go, right? So there's plenty of room here to totally absorb what is a wasteful, unhealthy, mythical, false product of animal bone broths. Now, from a producer's perspective, how are your margins on this? I, I would think that the process that goes into creating such a thing, uh, are these sustainable uh, going forward? Because I think what a lot of investors are going to wonder about is products get made if they're the cheapest to make and you can make the most margin on them. So how do you see your margins evolving going forward as far as uh, creating this on a large scale? Fortunately, the ingredients that we're using are available. And so as you make more and more product, the costs go down because you have economies of scale. So Ooh. actually our costs are high now in a sense because we invested in compostable packaging, but they will go down over time. And as I understand it, this is also in dehydrated form. You use it and hydrate it yourself with hot water, which is also very convenient. So uh, what kind of production quantities are you at now and where would you like to be in a year or two? We went out of stock on the first limited quantity that we brought in and then we increased it to just a few thousand pieces and mm -hmm. we're going to place another order. That's something that, you know, companies have to work out and that is their inventory management, analyze the supply chains, how, what, what are the lead times to get the ingredients in and then get them blended and then packaged and then put into the warehouse for distribution. And so when you think about where your production is now, would you like to be 2X, 3X, 10X? Can you put a number on what kind of expansion you're at least planning for in the, uh, in the near term? We are planning to double the production of Boone Broth in the next couple of months. And beyond that, it's all about the projections. How fast is it moving and how long the lead times are to get the ingredients in. Is it mail order direct to consumer or will you, do you have some retail options and how will you be able to make it available to consumers and, and sampleable? I mean, I'm glad you're doing this now that uh, the worst of COVID is behind us and people can even contemplate the idea of a tasting station again. Yes, we will be providing the retailers with enough samples so that they can whip some up and hand it out to their customers. And it's also very easy to buy on our website. 
We will tell the consumers what stores they can look for it in as it expands distribution. And your website is ecobella.com. E-C-C-O-B-E-L-L-A.com. Correct. Yes, I've been there. And that's how I learned more about how this is not just, and this is a startup opportunity, but it's it's in the umbrella of a seasoned business that's been around for a couple of decades and with a seasoned veteran of earth-friendly capitalism at the helm. And so that's kind of a nice hybrid situation that you're in because you've been at this for a while, but now you have a new particular venture that you see opportunities in. And uh, I think that's the exciting part because whenever you can back somebody who knows the rules and as they venture out, who feels secure enough to venture out into a whole new product line, that's got to be exciting. As Thomas Edison said, I never worked a day in my life. <laughs> right after he said, I'd know 200 ways not to make a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> or in your case, you know, a handful of ways not to make boon broth until finally you come up with the final recipe. Well, and that's a, that's a good way to end, especially since we're now officially comparing Sally to Thomas Edison. And we'll, we'll definitely look forward to seeing Sally's face on a coin at some point. <laughs> Because she's going to outlive us all, for heaven's sake. She's going to break 100 and still look like she could go and going to be carted looking for drinks. <laughs> it's a great pleasure to sit with you, Sally, and talk more about Echo Bella, about your story, about your product line. And I really wish you all the best. Again, the website is echobella.com. And uh, our guest has been the founder and CEO, Sally Malanga. So thanks for coming along. Good. I look forward to sharing this podcast. I, I love your voice and I love your good spirit. So thank you very much for doing this with me. Thank you for saying so. I, I appreciate that. Okay. Well, this has been episode 235 of the successfully funded podcast. Our guest has been Sally Malanga. I have been your host, Doug French. Thanks again for listening. And we will see you next week with another inventor, another capitalist, another person with passion who's trying to bring something good into the world. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.